Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning. Hi there, folks. This morning, I am in my son's uh, streaming studio. How about this? Uh, I've got a problem with my uh, laptop, so you've got a, um, a better quality sound this morning. And we're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is an amazing passage, fascinating passage. Let's dive straight in to verse 1. It says, finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. Uh, so as in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already to told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So this passage, <clears throat> excuse me, is obviously packed with lots of really clear instructions. And um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the issue of sexual immorality, which is in this passage, which we will look at. But this morning, I'm going to just step back and give you some reasons why we should want to be holy. And um, obviously, sexual sin is one particular type of sin which we need to avoid, but it's one amongst many which we need to avoid. And there are lots of different reasons uh, why we should want to be holy in every area of our life. Now, there is a distinction. Uh, sexual sin, I think, you know, we can sometimes say that all sins are equal and there is a sense in which all sins separate us from God. That's true. But there's another sense in which uh, some sins have more of an impact than others. And certainly Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But let's step back and let's see the reasons, the motivations that Paul gives us. Now, I've got 10 reasons in this passage, believe it or not. And I've got less than a minute to give you each one of them. So we better dive in nice and quick. First of all, the first reason is that we want to please God. It tells us here in verse one that we need to learn how to please God. The Apostle Paul said back in chapter two and verse four that his aim in life was not to please men, but to please God who tests the heart. And he tells us elsewhere that we should make it our aim to learn how to please God more and more to find out how to please God rather than to grieve God. The second reason is that it is our identity. In verse one, he says that you're already doing this stuff. You're already living differently. So carry on doing what you're already doing and do it more and more. It's who you are now. So keep doing and do it more and more who you already are. The third reason is this, that holiness is just as much a part of the gospel message as the fact that we are saved by grace. In verse two, it tells us that we instructed you in the Lord Jesus. 
In other words, that word instruction there is a military term. It's like uh, uh, passing an instruction down the line of soldiers. And this is not an optional extra for the Keeney Christians. This is instructions from the Lord Jesus himself. And just as the gospel of grace by which we are saved comes from heaven and is God's message and God's instruction to us. So the the call that we have to live out this life that we've now been made holy by God, we've been declared righteous and holy by God. And so now we want to become holy in our everyday life progressively as we carry on with God. The fourth reason is this that it is God's will for us to be sanctified. It tells us here that it is God's will for us to be sanctified. I love what Leon Morris says about this definition, this word sanctification. Sanctification is obviously the process of becoming more and more like God, more and more the way God wants us to be. And he says this, thus a process is begun in which... Um, the old ways and the old habits are increasingly done away with uh, and replaced with new ways that fit the service of God. This is a long and necessary process, and much of the New Testament is taken up with instruction as to how it may be furthered. It's a long process over our lives. What is God working on us right now? He doesn't deal with everything instantly, but it is a ongoing process of being changed. See, sometimes people talk about progressive Christians, Christians who are progressive, and that's used in a, in a sort of uh, derogatory phrase to talk about progressive Christians who are becoming more and more liberal. But actually, we're called to be progressive Christians, as in we're called to progress towards holiness more and more that we become more and more like he wants us to be. And so the fifth reason is this, that um, we're not, we know God. This is the fifth reason we know God. In verse five, it says that we should not be like the heathen who do not know God. You see, people out there, they do the things they do. Well, of course they do, because they don't know God. Why wouldn't they? Of course they do it. Whereas we do know God. So, of course, we don't do these things. We know God. Of course, we don't do these things. The sixth reason is this, that it brings harm to others. Obviously, in verse uh, here in this passage, it's talking specifically about sexual sin. It says that no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. In the context here, then, it's talking about adultery, uh, that, it, that it harms others. Of course, it harms uh, the, the marriage uh, hugely. Uh, there's untold hurt and pain that is caused when that sort of thing happens. But also uh, all kinds of fornication, uh, sexual immorality is fornication, cause harm to others. They harm, they take advantage of people. They rob someone of their chastity so that they don't bring that into their marriage as they should. And so we are causing harm to other people and untold pain to others when we go against what God has called us to do. And that applies, of course, to other aspects of holiness as well. It brings harm to other people. It's not just us that get hurt or God, it's others. The seventh reason is this, that we are endangering ourselves. In verse six, 
he says in verse 6b that um, the Lord will punish men for such sins as we have already told you and warned you. In other words, you're bringing harm to yourself. Paul says we warned you that God will punish men for such sins. It's dangerous to go against God's will. You're putting yourself in danger. There's no such thing as safe sex and there's no such thing as a safe sin. All sin brings harm to us and God's punishment. The eighth reason we're getting there, guys. Well done. And I've got two minutes left. So how about that? The eighth reason is this, that God has called us. God has called us. It's God's call. It tells us that verse seven, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Someone said to me recently, or in fact, Sinclair Ferguson, I was listening to him and he said this, why does God choose us? And the answer is simple, because he had to choose us. Why is that? Well, because we would have never chosen God. We're hostile to God. The only way we could have come to God was that God called us. Imagine if you were in the um, England cricket team and you got a call to say you're in the team for the next test. You've got the call. Well, God has called us. He's called us up to his uh, purposes. And therefore, we're called to not be impure, but to be holy. The initiative comes from God and it's our calling. The ninth reason why we should want to be holy is because if we don't, we are rejecting God. It says that he who uh, therefore in verse eight, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. We're rejecting God. The word reject there means to set aside or to frustrate or to treat as null and void. And therefore, when we uh, reject instructions that God has given us, we are reject rejecting God. When we take sin lightly, when we laugh it off, when we excuse it, when we minimize it or justify it, we are actually rejecting God because the prohibition is his. It comes from him. And so we are frustrating God. We are setting God aside. We're declaring God null and void when we reject what he's called us to do. Finally, then, it tells us in verse 10 uh, that, oh, sorry, the last verse that he gives us the Holy Spirit. The final reason is that we forfeit the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. We're sinning against the continuing presence of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of him, the holy. He has declared us holy. He has given us his Holy Spirit and we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, do we? So let's today take those motivations and let's do everything we can to walk with God in the grace of God and to be aware that he continually gives us his Holy Spirit. We're not on our own in this. It's not by law. It is by grace and it is by his spirit. And so receive the spirit, be filled with the spirit, live out this life that he has called you to and please him more and more as you do that. Let's just pray. Lord, we do ask you that you would help us to live out the calling. I pray now, would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit? Thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit freely and liberally. And so we receive now your spirit. We ask you to empower us to live with you, to please you, to walk with you today in every way. 
we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.